It's cloudy and minus 12 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 9 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. A truck driver has been killed in a highway collision northwest of Edmonton, about 30 kilometers west of White Court. It took place on Highway 43 between Windfall Road and Highway 32 around 8.30 yesterday morning. Mounties say they arrived to find an eastbound semi-truck and trailer hauling compressed natural gas had been rear-ended by a semi-truck and trailer hauling freight. The man driving the offending semi was declared dead on scene. A homeless shelter has opened up in central Alberta. More on that next, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I just saw a stalled vehicle on Sarcy Trail just after 16th Avenue Northwest. That is going to be in your southbound right shoulder. Watch for a tow truck arriving on the scene. Embrace the benefits of retirement living at Chartwell today with their limited time promotion, including two months free rent and a $1,000 bonus. Conditions apply. Call them today. From the 770 CHQR traffic helicopter, I'm Vanessa Arate. A warming shelter is open in a central Alberta city four months after its only overnight shelter closed and homeless people were moved to a camp in an open field. The site in Wetaskiwin, southeast of Edmonton, can sleep up to 25 people a night. Francis Lee Tom says it's his savior as freezing temperatures set in. I don't want to die in a tent. When the temperatures drop, you fear for yourself. If you care about others, you fear for them. The temporary warming site is run by the Mustard Seed and Provincial Funding and goes through until March. Many Albertans continued their hunt for COVID-19 rapid tests, but many pharmacists ran out as soon as they opened on Friday. Pharmacist Momen Algazuli says at times people have come in wanting nine tests at once. I read the email for the government twice and there's nothing mentioned anything about like, you know, as long as they are family members and they give you the Yuli numbers, you have to distribute that. The problem is I'm going to give it to nine to you and then another person would need only one test for himself. Wasn't able to get that because it's all out. A spokesperson for Alberta Health Services says more tests will arrive next week. The head of a group representing small businesses says owners are feeling relieved that the federal liberals plan to extend the deadline to repay pandemic loans. Dan Kelly of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business says many companies didn't expect to be able to repay the emergency loan by the end of next year. While it's welcome news that the government has announced its intention, they've listened to our recommendation and are pushing back the date by which these loans have to be repaid, there's no detail. They've not provided any information at all as to how long businesses are going to have and whether they will qualify for the full loan forgiveness uh, as a result. Since its launch, the Canada Emergency Business Account has provided $48.4 billion in loans to almost 886,000 companies. The government had promised to forgive a portion of the $60,000 loans if they were repaid on time. Taking a look at sports, there were eight games scheduled in the NHL today, but COVID-19 outbreaks have forced the league to postpone four of them. The Winnipeg Jets host St. Louis in one of the early games. Three games featuring Canadian teams were rescheduled, including the Ottawa Senators against Boston, the Toronto Maple Leafs were supposed to be in Seattle, and the Vancouver Canucks were meant to host Arizona. The Calgary Flames have had all their games postponed until December 27th when they will face the Edmonton Oilers. Global News Sky Tracker weather, mainly cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries this morning, a high of minus 9, but a wind chill of minus 20. 
A few clouds overnight with a low of minus 19 and a wind chill near minus 24. Sun tomorrow and a high of minus 13. Again, wind chill minus 24. It's minus 12 at 9.04. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and it is December the 19th. It's uh, it's amazing how fast it's going. And I know we've had uh, quite an ordeal with, uh, with Christmas trees this year, um, a shortage. And it's something I think we're going to have to get used to a bit. Um, we went the Western Canadian route, so we didn't have the real thick, the Fraser firs and stuff that we normally get that grow in the east. Um, they just don't grow them out this way. And if you bring them in from Vancouver – where you can grow some, it's too warm there, and then they have too much sap. And then when you bring them into from that thawed to here, where if it's minus 20 or 30, all the needles will just fall off. So that's typically why we don't uh, bring a lot of those type of trees in um, from, from some of the areas that are able to grow some. And we just don't have the Christmas tree farms like they do in the east, um, typically down in... Uh, North Carolina, um, Quebec, Ontario, and we, well, there's definitely a a change in the in the guard on that. We've probably lost. I think there was over two thousand tree farms in Canada like four or five years ago, and we're down to like fifteen hundred. So we've lost about five hundred tree farms, and those get sold off as the owners get older. Or the property becomes too valuable, gets sold off as commercial property or to be developed or something like that. And and then there's been a few weather things. It was super cold. Quebec had a big blast last year, and that affected some of it. And then OBC had some of that this past year as well. So, but what we've done is uh, we were we found uh, working with a local guy, and it's worked out really well. We still have about 50 trees. We were totally sold out last week as, as everybody else was, but we were getting so many calls. So I called my farmer and said, Hey, what do you think? Can we think we could scrounge up? So he brought me probably another two or 300 and we've almost gone through all those. Um, and they are the Douglas fir. They're gorgeous. Um, and they're a little thinner than what a lot of people have been used to. But, um, we also have a few pictures of inspiration. When you do decorate them, actually, they like a little bit more traditional Western Canadian trees. So um, hopefully if you do need one, you can still get them. We only have six footers left. And so Terry in the tree lot, he's uh, he's a very creative uh, guy. And he's uh, he put a couple on some stands. Just You can put them on a box or decorative something just to make them a little bit look a little bit taller. And uh, so, anyways, it's not a, a lifelong purchase. They're up for two or three weeks, and then you and then you move on. And uh, so, anyways, we, we've been trying our best, and and everybody's been pretty appreciative of of that, and trying to get in in the trees to make sure everybody has a Christmas tree for for this season. But Again, just going into next year, I think this is going to be a bit more of the norm. It ain't going to change a whole lot. So, could you just, there's not new tree farmers just starting up, and they're not a widget that you just crank off the assembly line in a factory. So, um, 
I think this is something we need to get used to. And uh, I know Colin down at Plantation Garden Center, he he brought in uh, as many as he could and and tried getting more as well. So try and make sure next year you support your your local um, garden centers that uh, have worked hard to try to keep the supply up. Um, so we we do appreciate it, and uh, and uh, it's kind of a fun season for us as well, seeing everybody come through the garden centers and have that traditional experience and last weekend we did have our santa and reindeer event it was fabulous and uh, so again i want to thank everybody for coming out for that it was a lot of fun and uh, we had elsa the reindeer and of course santa and right now of course we're going to go to jen good morning jen good morning merle how's it going this morning good you pretty good thanks pretty good uh, oh my gosh we're winding down into the big day I know, isn't it unreal how fast it's? Like, it just seemed like we were setting everything up, and you're thinking, "Oh, like it's yeah." It's sorry, I'm I'm squeaking like it's just such a whirlwind. It's it's uh, yeah. I I'm just giggling too because because Suzanne, the merchandiser for Spruce It Up, she's already working on the spring things. Yeah, no, we're right? we're we're already starting to receive some spring things, so she's starting to condense the Christmas. Yeah, it's and crazy. bringing in yeah, bringing in the new spring decor that we've been purchasing, and uh, it's just looking touch, good. Though, right, just yep. a touch. We still yep. have all the Christmas stuff out, so absolutely. Yeah, I don't want anyone to panic about that. So no, yeah. and we still have a decent selection of Christmas uh, decor, and uh, lots of great things. We still have some snow globes, which. Those always baffle, like, blow me away how, how popular those are. Those they spin around and light up. So <laughs> it's people true. love they're those. So fun, yeah, they're so fun. Um, we do have those. I have some. I don't you have some? Yeah, we have a couple. Yeah. We have a few light up things. Carolyn, as you know, my wife, she she does a pretty big job of Christmas. We have a pretty neat display at home. She likes to decorate and looks yeah. great. And she's been doing that for. Since uh, about the end of October, <laughs> she, she couldn't wait to. <laughs> I think the day before Halloween, Halloween got packed up and Christmas started coming out. I'm done with Halloween. We're moving on to Christmas. Oh, that's so. awesome. That's because it's yeah. so fun and sparkly. I was going to ask you too. I heard you talking. How long do you keep your Christmas tree up at home? Um, depends. Typically, we go until January seventh. Um, a little bit like Ukrainian Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a bit of my heritage and that was a tradition that we always did with my mom and stuff like that. She'd make a big Ukrainian dinner, like lots of pierogies and all that fun nice. stuff. Um, so we typically keep it up for a bit, but depends, depends how Carolyn's feeling. If she, <laughs> she, she gets pretty creative and antsy. Like, yeah. yeah, she doesn't like to sit around much. So as soon as she's, uh, as soon as, uh, if she gets a hankering, I think the trees will start flying down again. <laughs> That's so funny. But That's... she goes into snowman season. That's what she does right after in January. Oh, awesome. oh so, interesting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So she she has created her own season, Cause, which is kind of <laughs> nice because you get a whole bunch of um, – there's lots of snowman decor out there, right? And why yep. why do you need to pack snowmen? It's still, it's still winter. Oh, I agree. So, I so agree. Carolyn, Carolyn has created a, a new season – um, I love that. That's yeah. something, you know, we could do something with that, Merle. Absolutely. We should, yeah, we'll leave our snowman up. Maybe I'll mention that to Suzanne. So when she's in uh, getting ready to, when we start packing some stuff up in January, maybe we leave all the no, snowmen man. up for a bit. 
Yeah. yeah, well, you never know. I know. It's, I, I heard you talking about the trees. That's what got me thinking about it because it's, I just love hearing different people's stories. I had a, we had a gentleman in here. He was so excited that we had more trees, and he said he's going to be leaving it up anyway. His, uh, his daughter's coming into town, and, and they just kind of got it last minute. And he said, well, since we're getting it so late, we're going to keep it up for a while. So, nice. Yeah. So important thing, if you do get your tree, get the fresh cut, and we will do it for mm-hmm. you at the store. And ensure that you have a good tree stand with a big reservoir. That way it's going to be able to soak up lots of water, stay nice and fresh. So just keep it full all the time? Yeah, the first few days are really important. A, a tree can drink a lot of water in the first couple of days because that's sort of when it you bring it inside – it thinks that it's going to get growing again, so all the capillaries open up, and then it starts drawing water from the from the res- reservoir. So it's mm-hmm. really important to keep it nice, warm water, um, and then let it suck up. Those first few days are super important. If it seals off again and can't um, soak up any water, um, that's to be when you get those dry trees, or if people don't make right. a fresh cut. Yeah. And but, but the first, like you said, three to five days are super important because that's when it's rehydrating. And and just like when you plant a new tree, those first first few days are always really important. It's getting acclimatized. True. It's, yeah. So very similar to uh, to a Christmas tree. The same thing. You need to keep it if you're if you're doing the fresh cut. And we have had so many arrangements again. Chris mm-hmm. and Carolyn and and Val been making so many arrangements. But and we do treat all of those with wilt proof, which makes a huge difference. Yeah. Which is an anti desiccant. Yeah, they're so. so pretty too, Merle. I don't know if you you saw them yesterday when oh, you came yeah. in. The little teacup ones. I didn't. I don't, yeah. We didn't have those last year. I don't think. But no, Chris. So Chris had a little collection of some teacups, except I. We looked at a couple of the bottoms, and a couple of them are limited edition. I said, Chris, you should maybe take these back <laughs> home and make sure you've given away some three thousand dollar teacups or something. <laughs> Would that be a surprise for somebody? Yeah, it's like those yeah. garage sale finds, eh? Oh, that um, would be fun. That would be yeah. fun. But they are yeah. super, super cute little idea that uh, that's down there that we have on display. As soon as you kind of come in the store, we have some tabletop arrangements uh, for people to grab for Christmas too. They're a nice hostess gift as well, I think. And the price is right. Absolutely, they're super yeah. neat. And then you can use it after or get inspired to create more. Yeah, no, and they got some with some flowers and and different things, and uh, mm-hmm. and love the gnomes and the Grinch trees that the the ladies are creating. They look awesome. So so good, yeah. super job. So so good. They uh, applause to uh, to Carolyn, Valerie, and Chris. They uh, absolutely. Yeah, they've been pumping they, they, it out. They did a good job. Um, they did. Couple couple other things. So you, you got lots of what do you got left out there? Like for greens and wreaths, are you still fully stocked? I didn't look that much yesterday. I was I was in the trees tree section. So. Yeah, we're fully stocked. To my knowledge, to be honest, I didn't take a peek this morning, but I was just talking to Lisa, and as you know, Lisa's always running around everywhere because she's taking photos for us. And uh, yeah, she was telling me about them this morning. So yes. To that, she was talking about all the greens and the winter greens are buy one get one fifty percent off, which is kind of awesome. Um, we still have wreaths and door swags, table runners, mantle boughs. Uh, there's all kinds of fun things, and they're all twenty five percent off right now. Awesome, yeah. And point, poinsettias are on sale as well. I think poinsettias, yeah, you betcha. All the all the uh, Christmas tropicals, I guess, if you will. So the poinsettias, the Christmas cactus, we've got all the greens, the cedars we talked about, the winterberry, which I think Lisa did a cool post did on. Did you recently. Yeah, did you did you eat one too? I totally did. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know <laughs> they taste like that gum. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, I had no it's idea. It's kind of weird. It, it, it tastes just like the gum. Like, it it's weird. It does. I know. Well, don't say it too much because everybody's going to be snacking in the greenhouse. It will come by and grab a berry off there. Yeah. And, <laughs> we'll have no berries. Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really, really cool thing. But we do. We have some of those left as well. What I said poinsettias already. Trying to think of what else. Um, it's Christmassy. Oh, the the um, the cyclamen are have been really pretty with uh, with their white and red blooms that people and the zygo cactus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fun thing. Oh, hey, hey, hey Jen, I'm just gonna. Yeah. Hey Jen, I'm gonna put you in hold, Sounds and then we'll good. come back and we'll do a little tropical segment right after this. Okay, and uh, we'll talk about some house plants and different things that we have, and maybe some gift ideas for people um, that they can get from the garden center. You bet. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's Christmas destination. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And we're going to go to Jen, who has us covered down in the greenhouse. And... uh, a little shout out to Atco. They uh, mm-hmm. they brought us a nice uh, gas line. Good old, good old natural resource, natural gas. Can't live without it. <laughs> Pumping nope. in some heat into our greenhouse. <laughs> we'll take it. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to see like, and I I don't want to get onto this thing today, but um, like these are some of the resources, and I and again, I think Canada's just done such a good job in it. Like I don't know how like. All the greenhouses, garden centers, people, like without natural gas, we'd be done. Like you couldn't do it. Oh, like it yeah. would be impossible. So, yeah, agreed. Anyways, to talk to what those natural gas things do. All those BTUs, they keep our little tropicals nice and warm. So, yep. it's it's blooming season in the tropical house. Well, yeah. Have you? We've been sending you pictures. I think of some of those blooms, Tamerol. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that one, the crawler, the ivy going up. And then yesterday I noticed, and I don't know what the name of it, right in front of Chris's station, the one kind of, not, not the one with the big leaves, but it's sort of, it has a darker, it has a big arrow-shaped leaf, and it's starting to send out a big bud, too. Oh, uh, is that the, I don't know if it's the noble or not, but I was thinking about the japonica that is there that had that big yellow flower. Yeah, um, no, it's behind that, and it's a darker leaf one. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but anyways, uh, it's so this time of year. Is, I know at this time of year, though, this is when you're going to get a lot of your plants blooming, like a lot of your succulents. Yeah, um, yeah, and and they kind of get ready to reproduce. They produce their seeds, and then they get ready for to reproduce, so they have some siblings or, or some offspring going into the <laughs> springtime. So, but this every plant will bloom, so you'll see blooms on. All kinds of different plants, and sometimes the plants' um, blooms aren't the nicest. Sometimes of the the ones that mm-hmm. say, but it's so cool seeing them bloom, right? Because it's just you what don't you do. don't buy it for that. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, although some of them it's surprising too. Like the um, I don't know if Jess and I, I know we took a picture of that uh, cascading jade, and it was getting yeah. ready to bloom. So Jess is so funny because she waits for days and days in anticipation, and so she gets so excited. But it was the coolest orange flower that came out yeah. of that. It was like messy haired. It was interesting. So yeah, it looked like an orange dandelion almost. Mm-hmm. Like it was, but not, not as yeah, tidy was, even, right? No, 
yeah, no. kind of frilly a bit. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, so all of the succulents have been blooming. Well, not all of them, but quite a few. It's been very surprising. I know we have a Sansevieria in bloom right now on one of the palettes. I'm happy to show people. It's really cool. Um, you're right, though. I I just get mind blown every time we're here. And the uh, what did Jess teach us? What a few weeks ago with the string of dolphins, right? Yeah. With the blooms there and, and the scent of that. Wasn't that cool? Yeah, and but again, like it's something that's not. It doesn't add a lot of beauty to that no. plant. No, it definitely doesn't. It was sort of a straggly looking bloom, but like I said, a lot of the, every succulent, everything will bloom at one time, and and this is the sort of the time of year when you're going to see that sort of November through January. I don't know if that must be the rainy season a bit down in the desert, or when it when it or early. You live down in Phoenix. When is the? Do they have a rainy season? Is that more February or or? In oh, Merle, I was in California. I'm not oh, sure okay. about Phoenix so much, but I know. Um, yeah, my partner goes to the desert a lot, and I do. I think you're bang on with that in terms of the season, right? It's cyclical, and so they kind of yeah. all do it at the same time. Yeah, so I think well, it's it is similar, like a poinsettia. Like mm-hmm. they sort of get triggered. All these are triggered by the light. Like the, how the sun goes up and down and the hours in the daytime. Exactly. So that triggers a lot of them to tell them, hey, this time of year I need to do my thing. And uh, and they're going to see it a lot. They were actually, yeah, they were to start blooming because we, uh, we were down golfing uh, mm-hmm. three or four weeks ago in Phoenix. And there were, we were starting to see some of the blooms in the desert, and uh, which was kind of cool. So it anyways. Cool. Um, and actually, um, Jessica just sent me a note. It was the Alocasia Regal Shield that you were talking about. For the, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was leaf. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, don't forget Okay. <laughs> okay. Alocasia something's shield. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was just pulling up desert plants. When do they bloom? Late February through March. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So cool. they sort of when they sort of start. It must be maybe the sun's a little different up here that triggers them a bit sooner. But mm-hmm. we're just starting to see a lot of that because I know Jess was somewhere else, had another garden place, and they had a great big uh, jade blooming, which was yeah. kind of cool. Yep. Um, I've had a few of those do that. And again, not they, they're, they're nice. They're single-petaled white bloom. Like I said, not fabulous, but it's pretty unique, so it's kind of fun to see them bloom. So For sure. <laughs> when you see that. So, um, so and you were going to mention you got azaleas. What else do you got going for Christmas? Yeah, that's one of the things people have been checking out. And I know we were helping that gentleman yesterday with those standard azaleas, um, yeah. which is really cool. The hellebores, the Christmas um, Christmas rose. Yeah. You, I'm surprised that those haven't been more popular. They're such a pretty flower. So that is something that we have in stock, too. I just I keep looking at it. I know our tree lot manager, Terry, looks at it. Um, it's so pretty, and it, it would make a great gift as well down there. Um Amaryllis, oh, we got a few of those. Ooh, I think we do in the bulbs. I, no, I know we big, got six in the other day. That you, I brought oh, you the, brought yeah. them in. Yeah, you snuck those in on the other side there. That's right. Yeah. I can't even keep up with you guys. You keep things <laughs> around down there. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. That's right. I forgot that you brought some of those in because people have yeah. been looking for those as well, too. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, lots of good stuff. Um, again, you guys are down there till six o'clock tonight, so I gotta take off here. But thanks, Jen. Thanks, and uh, and uh, if you want to go down and see the team down at Spruce Up, we got lots of fun stuff going on today. Um, and, and Merry until Christmas, then, I guess to everyone. Happy holidays, season yep. greetings, all your things. So uh, yeah. absolutely. 
So the X, we're back on Boxing Day, the big boxing day blowout at Yeah. All right. Thanks, bro. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. And I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. It's cloudy and minus 11 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 930. I'm Megan Cobb. A man who was seriously injured and lost his wife last year when an all-terrain tour bus rolled off the road at the Columbia Icefield is pleading with the RCMP for answers on what happened. A report was originally expected last spring and then this fall, but the RCMP now say the report won't be released until next spring. Many provinces are reinstating COVID-19 restrictions on restaurants and other venues as COVID-19 cases rise rapidly, fueled by the new Omicron variant. Ontario, BC, and Manitoba are all bringing back capacity and gathering size limits ahead of Christmas. Chance of morning flurries with a high of nine degree, minus 9 today, wind chill minus 20. Clouds overnight, low of minus 19. Sunny and minus 13 tomorrow, wind chill minus 23. It's minus 11. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 10. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we are sitting on December the 19th, 9.35. And if you'd like to join me, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. Love to hear from you. Plans for Christmas. Let us know. Plants, whatever's going on. Uh, love to help you out. Um, we have Kath Smythe is going to join us. She's been hiding out for a while. We haven't heard from her. So good morning, Kath. Good morning, Merle. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. I'm no. a little chilled this morning, but it's not as bad as the other day. So Yeah, I know those first <laughs> few days there. I know uh, Jade, my daughter, she has a Jeep. And she goes, ah, oh, Dad, my Jeep seems way colder this year. And I said, well, no, because we haven't had minus 28 for a while. So that's why. <laughs> like, it was cold in every vehicle. Well, I think it was uh, cold in all vehicles. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? Um, so lots going down. You're, you guys got lots going on, and, and everybody who doesn't know, which I'm sure most of you do, Kath is uh, a big participant with the Cowrie Hort Society. You look after a lot of the the information coming out from there, classes, etc. Oh, I'm so, just a small part of that. <laughs> no, absolutely. But you have a big. You've been with them a long time. You've been doing yeah. it. Uh, yeah. So. You have a, a very big uh, footprint to fill there if anybody's trying to follow up on you. So um, <laughs> lots going on. So what what do you guys do over the winter? And, and maybe let's just talk a little bit about the Hort Society. We'll give you guys a little bit of a, a bit of a plug. We haven't heard from you for a while. And, and some of the perks and that, that you get when you join the Hort. Well, when you're a member, you get to have all this involvement in the gardening community and an opportunity to share knowledge. But basically, and the reason I enjoy it is the social part of it, although we can't meet in person as much as we were, but we have all these great things like a Calgary Gardening magazine, and it goes out every month. Well, there's eight issues a year, really and truly. And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out, and we do Gardeners Online. We have a discussion forum, and we have a plant database that is really starting to build into something. 
and a teaching garden and a library. Goodness, it's but the best part of this whole the things that I like are the monthly members talk, which are free to the members. There's a spring and fall plant share, which are open to members. So and how do you do those? Do you guys do them like on Zoom, or do you do it live in the well, garden somewhere? Or well, right now we're doing them in on Zoom. And yeah. we are doing the majority of the members' talks on Zoom. We have and we're trying to introduce live classes again and have had a few successful. I did some Christmas container classes in person, and I was really excited to see people, <laughs> you know. No, and to, absolutely. And, talk, and to talk about gardening and to share information, it was really fun. And it was what was really fun was to see some of the members I haven't seen for two years. So I think that's the part I enjoy the most is the social aspect of it. But, I mean, and you go into various garden centers and you get a discount on your shopping. I forget what yours is now, Merle, isn't it? Yeah, we have 15%. That's what I thought. It was really yep. good for you, from you. I haven't. I shop in there, as you know. So not to, not to brag, but it's the best discount for the Hort Society out of all the garden centers. So. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, you would never brag, Merle. I no, know you would no, never no. brag. But, like you that. know, it Let leads me know, into... Sorry? Let people know, though, if you can save a little extra money. Oh, 15% is awesome. You know, it's amazing what it, you know, what it gives you back on that. Absolutely. You know, I go in and, heck, I buy my rose bushes, and I think, boy, I'm doing well this year. <laughs> really I, well. Uh, you know what? And most of the time, the Horde Society customers are great customers. Yeah. Because um, they're coming in. Um, they're enjoying it. They're gardeners. They like asking lots of questions. Yes. Because that's what you guys breed down there like you know like let's in calories gardening it's it's so different even from one end of the city to the other oh well so we're we, dealing we, with altitude and we're dealing with the way the wind blows in and i mean it can be dry as heck down here in the south and up north they're getting a blizzard so yeah so we you do need to chat and even a lot of the courses or things that you read are not specific even from calgary to edmonton like you, you'll go there you'll see cedars everywhere and people think well they can handle the cold but it's not the cold that kills them it's the beautiful chinooks that we get the, that warm weather that desiccates right. it's the change <laughs> in the wind <laughs> yeah so it's so it's all those things that people and those are the kind of things that you learn when you hang out with the hort society um group and you're going to learn lots of different things and well, lots of good local information, well, we which try is important. To use, we do use mainly and completely, actually, local speakers and local experts. And they come to speak on a, on a theme or a plant material or anything like that. And it's all specific to our local knowledge. And it's very valuable on that level alone. And some of the course, courses that we offer are thought out in according to Calgary's growing season. So it becomes a really valuable tool for anyone. So I think I always say to people, we want to give a gardener something great, give them the society membership and they'll have That's make a, friends for life. That's a great gift. Yeah, it's a great gift, right? Cause right. Um, and you get to keep those the the magazines that you get, so they're good year round, and you, you can look back into them. And right. like you said, just the the talks and the camaraderie with the group of people is uh, mm -hmm. is invaluable. And just 
and getting getting in touch with people that have the same interest as well, right? Well, so. right. It's better than standing beside someone in a garden center and going, "What do you know about this?" Or, <laughs> but then again, gardeners are very generous with their knowledge and will share with you wherever they are standing. So, well, you know what? It's, there, I was in um, I can't remember Lowe's or something like that. I was picking up a, some hose fittings that I needed. I was fixing something. And a lady overheard me talking to the to the one of the guys from Lowe's or whatever, and she recognized my voice. And she goes, "Hey, Merle, I I know who you are, and whatever you're you're the guy on the radio." She goes, "What do you think about this sprinkler?" Or it started asking me a couple of questions. So I I said, "Hey, that looks like a good one." But I, I and again I said I like the soaker hose. So I showed her the one that I liked, and then she goes, "Oh, thank you so much." But it was it was just it's it's fun, right? It's interesting. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. And we are a great community. That. Gardeners are a community, and they they interact really well with each other. They have a whole social language when you're sitting and talking with a bunch of them, and suddenly the conversation switches to roots and to new growth. And well, I'm sure people sitting beside me in a coffee shop go, why is she talking like that? But I guarantee you when you go to a garden or a, to a party, a Christmas party or whatever kind yes. of party, you end up talking about garden. Oh, like yes. people recognize you. Oh, you're Kath on TV or you're on yeah. Google. Or in, and all of a sudden they start – that's what you talk about. It's kind of – I like it because a lot of times it's a, it's a way to open up the, the conversation at a party. It's, well, it is. Mind you, I get recognized in the co-op. Yes. <laughs> so I don't hey, Kath, mind. I mean, I'll I'm answer just, gardening questions anywhere, but actually, I think it's I'm just going to take a quick break. All right. Uh and then uh, we'll come back and we'll chat a little bit more what's going on. And you can let us know what anything upcoming at the Hort Society. So All I'm going right. to take a quick break. If you want to join Kath and I, if you want to ask anything about the Hort Society or any kind of plants or different things, <clears throat> you can give us a call, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. Going to go back to the phone line. We're going to chat with Cass Smythe. She is joining me from the Kyrie Hort Society. And if you'd like to join us, if you have any questions for for Kath or I, you can call us at 403-974-8255. Welcome back, Kath. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, um, So how how was your veggie gardening this year? Did you do a lot of that again or... I did a fair bit of it. I was I had the best cabbages I've ever had, Merle, until the darn cabbage whites came along. Okay. And I had actually put the grow the fabric over top and I had thought that I was gonna really win the war. Except I discovered one thing. They were after my green cabbages but they didn't eat the purple cabbage. Huh. So they don't I don't like the purple. I don't know. I'm not sure whether it's a presence of a different sugar or it doesn't look the right color in their eyes. All I know is that I'm going to grow it again because I actually made some great coleslaw with it and and pickled it and it was deli- it is delicious. The pickles can, are really. Can you make delicious. cabbage rolls with purple cabbage? And well, some not, eh? I I didn't try, but some of my friends said I don't know why you don't try it. So maybe next year I'll try. But yeah. I was disappointed. My cabbages were huge and they were doing really really well, and then those cabbage whites after the heat dome sort of waned 
They just appeared. But I also had fabulous cauliflowers this year. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so I did. In the the ground, Kath? In the ground. I had them growing in the ground. And I I thought I was imagining things, but I had cabbages and the cauliflower. And I tried that yellow cauliflower. Yeah. That was really tasty. I really enjoyed that one. So I'm I'm thinking I'm changing some of my color wheel in my vegetable garden for next year. <laughs> but, and, and why not, right? Add a little bit. looks a little bit more fun on the plate, too. That's and, right. Uh, exactly. And I, I grew my usual pole beans and did fairly well with those. The first little while, though, it was a fight with the sparrows and the robins eating the leaves. But once they got you, beyond that, I did Did you okay. listen last week um, when we had Myrna Pierman on? Yes, she she's the bird naturalist. Man, yes. she's a wealth of uh, information on birds. So she sure is. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna definitely have her back. Sort of throughout the winter here, we're gonna do a few more bird segments. So well, I don't know if you remember Ruth Stahl, but yeah, Ruth um, and Myrna were friends from way back, and she came into the store a couple of times, and she just was so interesting. I could have listened all day. So I yeah, I, there was you, Ruth, and Donna. Yes, down at the old Golden Acre, which is which is Greengate now. Yes, um, that's where I met all you ladies. I was just starting to build the big garden out. I was just, just going to say you were doing your big south garden, and I kept saying, "Why does that guy in the shorts and flip flops spend all this money <laughs> on plants?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you'd arrive no. every week and take your two or three racks out of the store, and I'd be going. Oh my gosh, he's taking a lot of product. I got to see this garden. So. Yeah, we were building that big estate garden. It was a lot of fun, and and I got to meet. And that was and the, and when we we're talking about relationships and gardening, and those yes. are kind of the things that were started. And I still remember all three of you, and uh, <laughs> and it, it sticks out. Um, like you said, good memories. And oh that's, yes, very. Like that very. was thirty years ago. Yes, it like was over thirty years. Yeah. Yes, it was thirty. 32, 32, I think. I'd only just moved back to Canada, so it was kind of fun to find a gardening community almost immediately and felt that I belonged in it, so it was good. (laughs) (laughs) Which is is pretty cool. So getting – so – at the Hort Society, so do you guys shut down now for Christmas, or do you have some courses before? Well, no, our courses are finished for the season now, for till the end of December, but we hit the ground running in January with Master Gardener Part (laughs) 2, and that lines up pretty quick in there, but we've got classes starting in the middle of January. We've got microgreens, growing food indoors. And that's with Janet Melrose. I'm really quite curious about how she's going to handle that. And I'm not sure if you've been following, but I've been doing Tea for Two or Tea with okay. Kath on yeah. Facebook Live on the third Thursday of every month. And it comes back on the 20th. And we have so much fun. I do an hour, and it's like that hour is gone. And I, have, I invite guests to come and chat with me. We have a lot of fun doing it. And we've got a really cool seed starting class with probably one of my favorite um, seed starting ladies, Joanna Ogilvie. She's so knowledgeable, and this is part one, and then we do part two. And I mean, I could go on, but we have a five part tropical houseplant course coming up in January starting. So, and houseplants are still staying oh. strong. We're seeing 
Um, like I said, even this year, we, we kept Christmas in the main store and kept our two new tropical houses right full and and tropical plants. It's so good. It's such a diverse community. Like yesterday, we had a gentleman in. Um, he was actually one of the guys that was working on our gas line project. He was running the driller. Yeah. And uh, so he was in. He's always in buying plants. <laughs> and he, he, he had a cartload of some tropicals yesterday. And then all the young people, like, it just, it's so cool. Like, lots of young guys, like, between 18 and 25 or 30. Right. And young, young ladies between 18 and 25, 30. And then you get, like, lots of the middle age. It, it's, it's uh, that's the fun part. It's really. Well, it's, it's a gra- really diverse group. It's Absolutely. really an interesting group of people to run into again. I mean, back in the day when I first started in the gardening business, more than anything else, we were into tropicals back then, and it was quite huge. It's funny how it's diversified from that to we started selling lots of annuals, and then um, out of the clear blue sky in the mid-'70s, everybody wanted perennials, and they became... Absolutely. So it, it changes with each passing group, but I'm really enjoying the resurgence of houseplant interest. Absolutely. And I'm just going to take a quick break here, Kath. If you can, you can hang out for a couple sure. of segments. We'll sure. talk about some gifts and a few different things. All right. Um, if you'd like to join us, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I do have Kath Smythe with me from the Cowrie Hort Society. Hey, Kath, I got a quick question here on the text line. Okay. Okay, because uh, this is something you might know, probably, <laughs> I'm hoping. Um, it says, hey, Merle, I have two African violets that are hanging down over their pots. I'm not too sure what to do with them. If anything, they're both bloom often and seem healthy. Thanks for your show. Greatly enjoy. Debbie. Um, you know, um, you know, you know when, the, when the African violet just keeps getting bigger and bigger yeah. and then it starts dangling over the pot? Yes. So what what should you do at that point? Should you repot it, or what, what do you what do you think? Well, I personally like to repot. I like to take and take them out, and this is an ideal time for of year because the light isn't as heavy, and they're not getting as long a day length, so they spend more time putting new roots out. And and basically, you only go about an inch to two inch, not even two inches, an inch bigger all the way around, and that gives them lots more room. And I would go at them from that angle. And and the trick with African violets is, as you may know from handling them, the leaves are very brittle, and they'll snap off if you're too rough so with them. So, Kath, you know when it like it's dangling over, so would you put that into a deeper pot? Would you plant that stem yes. that has no yeah. leaves? Would you bury that deeper? Yes, I, I was just going to say, and bury them deeper. Clean out okay. the bottom of the pot. Like when you lift them out of the pot, you will see that the root system is quite low down there. So you want to get it right deeper in. And the goosenecking or the longer stems, if you put soil around them, and I re- this is where I really like the uh, worm castings, that helps to get them rooting again, and you don't water them as much. You want to yeah. let them dry out a little bit so that they'll put out more root system. Well, they're like a succulent too. Like they do That's like right. to get watered from down below, which brings their roots down nice and deep. That's but right. But they don't mind drying out a bit. Like they can run a little bit drier. Yeah, like, and they they are um, 
plants that in their native state cling on to the sides of rocks and grip down into the niches between the rocks. So they're looking for places where they can put the roots down deeper and that long gooseneck stem, if they can't find a home for it in that niche, they travel down and look for the next pocket of soil and root in it. But they like the dryness to to form stronger roots. Okay. And, you know, um, I've found that, rage, I, hate to, I hate to admit this, but I've found that the Rage Plus and the worm castings seems to really work oh, really well with my violets. The Rage Plus is a great product. I, I love, uh, and Sheldon is a, yes. is a guy that sort of took it upon himself, started a company, at, on but on study that he believed in. He developed a product, and the chemical or the fertilizer company he was working for didn't want nothing to do with his idea. So he said, well, you know what? <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with you. And he went off and started his own company. And I don't own a, one iota of it. I would like to have some shares in it, but I don't. Um, well, he's, it's just what one of those I like great is products. that he's Canadian, and I like that he has the incentive and the, the drive he to do it. He does it all himself. He has yeah. his kids. They, they're mixing it in the garage. I think he's moved into a bit of a bigger facility. I was mean, just about to say, surely to goodness they've moved out of that garage. I think his yeah, wife was ready to. Yeah, he's been doing it all to, himself. Yeah. yeah. So, which is, and Sheldon is always on the road. Haven't seen him much, obviously, lately with COVID. But no. Uh, but are you okay to get a few more texts, Kath? You got time to stick around for a bit after the break? Uh, sure. Yes, I do. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, Kath is going to stick around with us. So if you'd like to join us, 403-974-8255. That is the talk and text line. We'll return after the break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. It's cloudy and minus 11 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Megan Cobb. Parents and educators who don't like the province's proposed school curriculum aren't giving up the fight to have it scrapped entirely. Global's Carolyn Curry de Castillo reports. Parents and educators who attended a rally on Saturday want the province to go back to the drawing board when it comes to the new kindergarten to grade 6 curriculum. ATA President Jason Schilling says he still has many concerns with the curriculum, which is why the Teachers Association has asked for a moratorium. This week, Education Minister Adriana Lagrange announced that the province will delay full implementation of its proposed elementary curriculum after opposition from some teachers and parents. The Education Minister said on Monday all K-6 students will start learning from the the new English language arts, math and physical education curriculum in September of 2022. But the new curriculum for social studies, science, French immersion and fine arts will be delayed. The executive director of Support Our Students told those at the rally to not give up and contact MLAs and trustees to voice their concerns. In a letter to the education minister, the Calgary Board of Education expressed significant concerns about the implementation timeline and the Calgary Catholic School District continues to add advocate for a full delay in curriculum implementation. A spokesperson for the education minister says the government will seek advice from education and curriculum experts early in the new year to further revise subjects. Changes to grades 7 to 10 won't happen until the K-6 curriculum is confirmed. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. 16 months after an all-terrain tour bus rolled off the road at the Columbia Icefield, there is still no final report on the cause, and the RCMP says the report won't be released until next spring. Three people died, including Griva Patel, and 14 others were seriously injured. 
Her husband, Haroon Patel, wants to know why it happened. Uh, that's, that's really frustrating. I, I wanted to know, like, what happened, how, how it happened. Like, I, I, and I do have right to know what exactly happened, whose fault was that. But then getting just no answers from anyone. The report was originally expected last spring and then again this fall. Albertans in the big cities continued their hunt for COVID-19 rapid test kits, but many smaller towns didn't get any at all. Strathcona County Councillor Lorne Harvey says many rural Albertans are disappointed kits are not readily available where they live. I don't think it would have been that much more difficult for the province to get out to the surrounding communities in the region. Alberta Health Services says pharmacies are expected to have more test kits arriving this week. Meanwhile, the U.S. government's top infectious disease expert says the 50 million Americans who remain unvaccinated have much to fear from the newest variant of the coronavirus. Dr. Anthony Fauci says Omicron could soon become the dominant strain of COVID-19. It seems to be overtaking all the other variants, including Delta, with a doubling time of about two to three days, which means that this is really something to be reckoned with. It is, it is really rapidly spreading literally throughout the world. Fauci says it is quite likely that a surge in Omicron cases among unvaccinated Americans will cause significant stress on the hospital system in some parts of the U.S. Taking a look at sports, the Winnipeg Jets host St. Louis in one of the four games on an NHL schedule slammed by COVID-19 outbreaks. Four of today's games were cancelled, including the Ottawa Senators at Boston, the Toronto Maple Leafs in Seattle, and the Vancouver Canucks home game against Arizona. All Calgary Flames games through the holidays have been postponed, with the majority of the team in the league's COVID protocol. As of right now, the Flames are scheduled to make their return on December 27th against the Edmonton Oilers. The depleted Toronto Raptors beat Golden State 119-100 last night, shortly after announcing that all-star Pascal Siakam and rookie Delano Banton had entered the NBA's health and safety protocols. The Raptors host Orlando tomorrow. The NBA has been hit hard by the recent surge in COVID cases amid the new Omicron variant. Global News SkyTracker weather. Chance of flurries this morning. A high of minus 9, but a wind chill of minus 20. A few clouds overnight with a low of minus 19 and a wind chill of minus 24. Sun tomorrow, a high of minus 13, wind chill again of minus 24, and sunshine and minus 1 on Tuesday. Snow minus 6 on Wednesday before it gets really cold for Christmas. A mix of sun and cloud minus 18 on Thursday, cloudy and minus 21 on Friday. It's minus 11 at 10.05. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 10.30. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Cass Smythe from the Cary Hort Society. I bribed her with a bag of earthworm castings to stick around for a while. So, <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, talk, uh, Merle. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, it, and it's nice. that Well, as you know, at this time of year, sometimes the show, the callers get uh, – a little bit slower, lots of listeners still, but no one's getting off the couch and uh, grabbing the phone a whole lot at this time of year. Well, they as haven't got a lot as, of questioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> no, that's but this one they need to pile on the questions because then we have a lot more time. I do have a, a quick question here from one yeah. gentleman. It says, "Good morning. Someone once told me after filling a watering can for indoor plants, you should let it stand for 24 hours before using it. Does that make does that?" Do I do that. Or? I do it all the time. And actually, whenever I boil my kettle, any of the extra water, I let the kettle cool off, and I keep that water. Part of it is in me, I don't want to waste water, so I don't want to pour yep. the water in my kettle down the sink. But I like to do it just because I think that the the gases off-gassing from all the things that are our drinking water is treated with. So I do it that way myself. So, so, so it's okay to drink it as humans, but not for our plants? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, uh, okay, <laughs> but I do know okay. that sometimes with the chemical combinations in the water <clears throat> or what there's treated with, we you you will when you fertilize and stuff see different changing okay. the way the formula of the fertilizer will react with the water. All right, so I'm just I stay I pay attention to that, and uh, my African violets really don't like straight up tap water. I also think that room temperature water is better. Yeah, than room temperature is better for sure. I mean, I think our water, our cold water, must come straight off a glacier. It's so cold. Oh, it's sometimes. nice though. Sometimes nice and cold though. Eh? Like you, you sure appreciate though. Like when you travel, like I said, I was in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, and it's just so nice. Like when you're in Calgary, you turn on the tap, it gets nice and cold. You can drink right out of the tap. That's it right. It just tastes good, and uh, you don't have no worries. Yeah. That's um, right. Hey, Kath, we got a caller. We're gonna go to the phone line. We're gonna pull Tom up, and he uh, he's gonna ask us a question. Good morning, Tom. Hi. Actually, I have a couple questions, if that's okay. Okay. Absolutely. One, yeah, we had some pots of mint that were uh, started inside, and uh, during the summer, some of the nice days, uh, the warm days, we put them outside, and the plants did really, really well. And in the fall, we brought them in, and now I see all these black little flies, and uh, I'd like to know how I could get rid of those. Yeah, you're getting <laughs> fungus gnats, and and that happens quite often when you bring plants inside. And I did see this on Kath had a segment on Facebook. We have a product that we like to recommend. It's it's called uh, mosquito dunks. So oh, what yeah. you do, we have these. Uh, they're a puck, and you put the puck in the water, and it dissolves. Tom, and then that is used, and you just water your plants with it, and then that kills all the larvae and kills the any of the eggs and the and the fungus gnats. So it's on the same family basically as a mosquito, so it does the same thing. Okay, and and, uh, and, but, the... and, and also cut back on your watering. Yeah, that's going to be one of the biggest things. Is you're probably keeping it too wet. Right. Okay. What about those yellow cards that uh, the plants, they say they... Yeah, those were great as well. But they're, they're not going to cure it, though. To the yellow. They're, yeah. they're really attracted to the yellow. But the mosquito dunk thing works like a darn, too. <coughs> yeah. But once eventually... you've cleaned, once you've done all that, you are going to have to go in and clean the, the saucer and the pot if it's got an outer pot, because what will happen is they've laid eggs. And okay. you've done an immediate control, but you've got to go back and make sure that you clean all the eggs and any stuff that's around, any garbage that's around. So that would be with the product that uh, you're telling me to purchase, and it would kill all the eggs? Yes, yes. Oh. But okay. you you still need to scrub the pot and the saucers just so that there's no standing soil that might be in there that might have any extra eggs in it. Fungus gnats are a nasty 
little critter, and they seem to survive just about anywhere. Any nook and cranny they can lay it. They like it cool and dark and damp. So oh, did we? I'm sorry. Did we make a mistake by putting them outside because they were excellent when they were inside the house? No, you didn't make a mistake. They probably doubled in size outside. Okay. And right. and they do like the air circulation out there, and they make okay. better flavor when they've been outside. Okay. And, and Tom, it's just when you bring them inside. Um, a lot of people we, we keep on the continuing the same water um, process or or schedule that you were doing outside, but you can probably cut a half or even more than half once That's you bring right. it inside, especially during the winter. So if you're okay. watering once a week outside or every three days, you probably it could go two weeks inside, sort of thing. So just let it dry in between waterings. Don't just water because it's two days since you watered last. Only right. water when you when the plants are dry. Do they need to be really repotted then because that soil's contaminated or it, it wouldn't hurt it because um, they're they're going to be pretty fibrous big root systems in the mint um, so if it was in the same pot yeah absolutely give it a good repot at this time of year um, that definitely won't hurt it and then you can start on new watering schedule give it a good okay. soaking and then let it dry out in between waterings okay the other thing is we went to spruce it up and bought the biggest planters we could and. Uh, we planted the little tomatoes, and they seem to grow really great. But we've tried some bigger uh, tomatoes, and we had a lot of trouble. Kath, go ahead. <laughs> you heard my silence, did you? Yeah. <laughs> um, in a bigger pot, the, tom- the little tomatoes seem to really like the fact that all of a sudden they've got room to grow. And at the stage you're buying them at the garden center, they're technically a teenager, and they're going to put on lots of growth, and they're going to produce a lot of fruit. But the larger tomatoes that you're buying and seeing, they've been in production, oh, probably four to eight weeks longer than the tiny ones you're seeing, and they've already reached a growth a maximum growth pattern, and when you put them into all that soil, that just disturbs how they've established their root system. Okay. So personally, I would, with the bigger pots, I would start with small plants and work my way and let them do their thing. They're they're a lot more efficient. Although the great big guys, yeah, they produce a lot of crop early. So you might treat yourself to one or two so you have some early tomatoes. But those little guys, they they will just blast off if they've got good soil nutrients. It's good to know. Thank you. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. And to you. Yeah. Merry Christmas to you as well, Tom. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. <clears throat> yeah, Kath, and, and a lot of people when they're growing tomatoes, it's important to get them into a nice big pot, but planting them nice and deep too. Yes. Uh, I, if you get like a six or eight-inch plant, um, plant it down like three-quarters of the plant, bury it, like pull those bottom leaves off. Yeah, and let nice them root deep. from there because they, they live like, well, they're related to the potato family. So they'll put yeah. out runner roots and then they'll start to establish a stronger root, which makes them that Yeah, and you stronger. don't get it all, um, you don't get with that big floppy plant, you get a super big, strong, nice plant that's nice and sturdy. And uh, it just does a lot better that way. I, that's, I know I get a lot of people look at me funny when I, they see me, I'll transplant their tomato for them at the store and I pull all the bottom leaves at me off the plant and they're kind of looking at me like, what are you doing to my plant? <laughs> <laughs> but but that lets it grow out, become nice and thick. 
That's and, right. And you see a big difference in that. You get a better, so, stronger stem growth, which is really important to the top of the to the top of the plant. So it's so Kath, nutrients. I, I get a lot of calls regarding um, storage of of potatoes, storage of tomatoes. Maybe do you get any hints on on storing some of the veggies that we grow? Well, the best tip that I've ever been given, and I always remember this as well. My grandfather always stored in his cold cold room. He stored all his potatoes in sand, and it wasn't the dry, coarse sand. He would get playground sand, or he would get the cleaned sand, as they call it back then. And it was got a bit of moisture in it, and he would bury them in that, and it they did a lot better, a lot better. And the tomatoes, the tomatoes need to be protected from light. So the other part of that is, you know, when you go and you buy a flat of eggs, you know, the not the one dozen, but you buy a full, you know, a full tray, and they're in that yep. cardboard. Standing them in that keeps them apart from each other, but the other thing you do is put a sheet of paper, newspaper, over top of them. I know newspaper is not as easy to find these days, and a friend of mine did, covered hers with news, um, with brown paper, and she's got this great ripening thing going now, and she keeps the riper tomatoes are on the top of the pile, and she rotates through and sorts them about every two months or so, and it's just keeping them from touching each other and keeping them stored in flats. Okay. And out of the sun, mainly, I guess, probably down there? Down there, and they actually do fine sitting in not a cool room, but a reasonably coolish room they don't want like they tomatoes do better not in the refrigerator when you bring them home from the store you keep them on the counter and eat them as you go because they're already ripened and they're much better flavor and they maintain their flavor better than being put in the refrigerator and you can start tomatoes early in the season too so that way they're good size if you want to start them like in April or something, and then move them outside once you get into yes. a mid-May or June, and then that way you're going to get uh, a oh, little bit longer season. Oh, start them in March, because otherwise we don't get a crop. I belong to a <laughs> tomato cooperative, you know. And my friend Dave grows for all of us. We pick our varieties. We'll, we'll probably have a conference, a summit conference on tomatoes in February and decide what varieties to grow, and Dave grows them. And we start in mid-March because then they're nice and full and bushy and they look fabulous. And I know a lot of the growers start quite a few of their tomatoes in March. But that's, you know, that's everybody's preference. But for the home growing and the windowsill growers, I find mid-March, end of March is the best time for my tomatoes. Nice. And I got a couple of questions. Uh, and 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 we get, we get a lot of that like people wondering like how do you store carrots and potatoes yeah. and 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 uh, a lot well, more people getting into carrots and potatoes do best in that place and it's just got enough moisture and you just put them in and they just hold their moisture way better they don't do that all of a sudden they're all shrivelly and and limp they don't do well but in the place and they do a lot better. So what about potatoes, leaving them in the ground? Like, are you better to pull? I know a lot of people leave their carrots in the ground getting into into early winter. But potatoes and that, you can't do that? Or? Well, you can't do that with the, the potatoes. There's too much starch in them, and they tend to go really mushy really quickly, although one or two will survive so that you'll have a potato growing in odd places. 
but it's best to pull potatoes after the first heavy, heavy frost, dig them, get them out of there, all that's left. And then carrots, you can leave for two or three heavy frosts and then dig them out. It's the sweeter, the more frost to get, the sweeter they yeah, are. Yeah, it builds the sugar up. Builds right, that Kath? sugar and their store really easily. Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to take a quick break. Um, again, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. I do have a few texts, so if you just want to text or give us a shout, that's 403-974-8255. We have Cass Smythe from the Horde Society and myself, Merle. We're here to answer any questions you might have. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770-CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I have Cass Smythe with me from the Kyrie Hort Society. Uh, hey, Kath, i got a couple of quick questions here, and then we'll go to the phone line. We do have a couple of callers. All right. All right. Um, and I had this question similar. Um, why is my peace plant not blooming like my daughter's? <laughs> different gene pool could be the different amount of light. It could be the watering as well, and sometimes it takes a bit of stress to pull the peace lily into a flowering phase. Yeah, so, and sometimes too much light they won't produce yeah. as much. They need to, they do prefer that lower light. That's right. And, and the bloom will turn green if it has too much light. If it does bloom, so they prefer that lower light, and that'll get them to bloom. And maybe a bit of 15, 30, 15? A bit of 15, 30, half strength, and that will push the flowers out a little bit. And here again, a little top dressing with worm castings doesn't go amiss with houseplants these days. It really helps to, we, you'll find that as you're watering, you get a certain amount of erosion, so the saucer gathers a little bit of soil in it. So every time you, just like our ground, it loses soil, so you want to add a little bit of worm castings, and that seems to help. But my peace lily does best in a shady spot. It doesn't like to be in a really sunny room, and it really doesn't like the heat register. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but they, they're a good indicator plant. You can kind of let them wilt a little bit. They're, That's right. They're, they're good yeah. to tell you when it, when they're dry. They'll, they'll well, they've give got you a good talking leaves as far as I'm concerned. When they're ready, when they're ready for pe- repotting, they curl their leaves right into themselves underneath. They don't curl up. They curl down and in. Repot them and give them fresh soil, and they're a lot happier. Their, their leaves will go a little bit limp, and, and that tells you that they need mo- moisture. And sometimes if that doesn't stand them back up, it usually means they need some nutrients. Okay. All right, let's go to the phone line. Let's go to Renee. Good morning, Renee. Hi. Hey, how can yeah. I help you? Uh, yeah, I was calling about pine trees. I transplanted some, like, pine tree shoots or whatever they call them. And they're about a foot high, but they wouldn't grow. And I had a soil test done, and it says I have no uh, nitrogen in that soil. Yeah. What, how do you, like, is it a good time to put nitrogen? Well, at this time not? of year, you'd really, you're not really going to do nothing anyways. Best to wait till spring. But, but also, be careful with those. You might want to just put... Um, either a cardboard box or some sort of screen around them if they're outside in the sun they get they those small ones like that are very easily sunburned so you kind of want to put a 
like a circular something around them just to give them a bit of shade for the mm-hmm. first couple of years because if they're right in there in the snow and then when the sun, we get those sunny days, it hits yeah. those little spruce trees and it can burn them like crazy. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the needles have turned red on them and, yeah. and I kept watering them heavily and they seem to be starting to come back, but the soil tests yeah. say... So next spring, just go hit them with a 30-10-10. Yeah. 30 yeah, or even like a twenty twenty twenty. That that's lots of nitrogen has phosphate in it, and yeah. and the potassium on the outside. So that's a good all round for yeah. something like that. Um, and just use bark mulch, but just make sure they're not planted too deep either. Like they don't like to be buried really deep. They, if anything, right. I always leave my spruce trees up a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah, these are uh, really deep. That, that's that's. Really yeah. Deep. So just even if you put a, 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 a important over the winter here, put a row of burlap or just something in front of them facing that south or west, just to block yeah. the sun a bit. Because that's what I see. So many people plant those little spruce trees, and they just get burnt like crazy. So it, right. it's just good if you can um, kind of deflect the sun away from them. Yeah, the reflection, and that's the other reason why bark mulch is good. It'll stop the light from reflecting off the soil onto the branches. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Okay, thank you very much. All right, all right. Thanks, Thanks Renee. Yeah. Um, got a couple of texts, and then after the break, we'll go to Vanessa. Um, we got why are my gardenia leaves turning yellow when they have lots of sauterizing sot- and watering? Saucer. I'm not sure what that is. No, I'm um, not either. But um, gardenias are a broadleafed evergreen, and they don't like the dryness in our house, so that will cause the leaves to turn yellow. However, when you do water them, you never leave gardenias standing in water. They don't yeah. want to be submerged. They like to sit up above that. And, you know, a good a saucer underneath them full of pebbles, is really good because that'll allow the water to gather there and give you extra humidity. But gardenias love thirty ten ten, Merle. Yeah, they, they, they like the evergreen fertilizers. Evergreen fertilizers. So, in the smaller containers, do half strength thirty ten ten on the recommended on the package, and use it every second or third time you water it. Like, and make sure your plant is watered before you fertilize it. We have taste buds, we can salivate, we can swallow food and nutrients. If a plant is dry and you fertilize it, it doesn't take the nutrients up. So you do make yeah. sure that they're watered, especially things like gardenias and oranges. Absolutely. Okay, I'm just going to take a quick break for the news, and Kath and I will be back for the last half hour of Let's Talk Garden. You want to join us, 403-974-8255, right here on 770 CHQR. It's cloudy and minus 11 in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's 1030. I'm Megan Cobb. A warming shelter has opened in a central Alberta city. Four months after its only overnight shelter closed and homeless people were moved to a camp in an open field. The site, which is run by the Mustard Seed, opened the first week of December and can sleep up to 25 people in Wetaskiwin. Large parts of Canada are starting to hunker down again as a fifth wave of COVID-19 appears to be building. Ontario announced more than 4,100 new cases this morning, the largest daily tally since mid-April. Chance of morning flurries with a high of minus 9 today and wind chill of minus 20. Clouds overnight, low of minus 19 and a wind chill of minus 24. 
Sunny and minus 13 tomorrow, a wind chill of minus 23. It's minus 11. Breaking news when it happens, our next update at 11. I'm Megan Cobb. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calories Christmas Destination. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And we have uh, Cass Smythe is with me today, this morning, joining me before Christmas. Amazing what a bag of uh, earthworm castings. I get a great <laughs> guest like that to have Kath hang out for that. So thanks, <laughs> Kath. <laughs> uh, As I, I said before, it. we'll be talking. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I appreciate your time, and uh, I'm glad you can uh, spend some time with us here. Um, we're going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Vanessa. Good morning, Vanessa. Hi. Um, I was just wondering if, um, well, I've noticed inside avocados they have like kind of like a seed or something. Uh, yep. I was wondering if you're able to plant anything from that or if someone came upon, like, avocado seeds, like, how would they plant um, avocado? They're really easy to, well, they're slow to start, but they're one of those ones that I really like to get kids growing just to watch them see how it grows. But the best thing you can do is get the pit out of the plant, out of the fruit and clean it off, let it dry for, oh, 24 hours. And then you get a glass a little bit wider than the circumference of the seed, and you put some toothpicks in it so that it will balance on the top of the water. Oh. And the root, you put it in a kitchen cupboard, one that you go in all the time so it never runs out of water. And you leave it in there, probably it'll take it about five to six weeks, but it will put down a really long tap root, and it will start to, the seed will start to split and the trunk will come out, but this all takes about two months. And once the, the sprout starts to appear out of the seed, then you move it into the sunlight, and it'll root a lot, and then it'll start to really develop a trunk, and then you put it in about a four- to six-inch pot. Okay, and um, is it okay to say you have some seeds that you, like, saved up, like, just put in a container or whatever for a while? Would they still work? Or just oh, have they to be, like, should. They, how long ago did you do it? They should be fine. They're just, probably still just hard. Few, like, just a few days ago. Oh, well, no, that'll, they'll still start. There'll be no problem. Okay. But try the water method first because that's how they get them to, to produce their sprouts when they're growing them commercially. Okay, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm going to try it. Okay. You know, give that a try. You can have some fun with that. You can also do that with a pineapple if you buy a, like a, a pineapple from the grocery store. Yeah. And when you cut the top off, you can you can let it callous for like three or four days and then put a little bit of rooting hormone on that. And then you can just put that right into soil, keep it moist, and it'll root up. And you'll you'll have a pineapple plant before you know it. Okay, and you mean like the liquid root? Yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. a liquid root for um, root starter. Yes. Root hormone. Yeah. Root hormone. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. Um, and for the avocados, I guess, are you able to put like the liquid root um, in with the water for when it, no. the trunk starts no. growing? No. You want it to do its own natural thing, and you will notice that at the base of the seed, the pointy end is up. 
and the base of the seed is sort of almost got a little flat bit at the bottom, and you'll notice a little tiny, probably small circle. And depending on how old the avocado fruit itself is, you might even find that it might have started a root, but they put down a really long taproot. So you, you want to get them in a glass so that they can reach that taproot, put that root down into clear water. Okay, thank you so much, Remy. That sounds good. I'll try it. All right, then. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Vanessa. All right, got a few more texts here. Where I'm at for time. I got a bit of time before we need. Do you use rage on African violets now or wait till spring? I, now should be fine. Now it's like, fine. I play around with it all the time. I have a really strong rule about <clears throat> fertilizing the rest of my house plants till March, but the flowering, the violets, and I have um, an apicia that I really want it to continue to flower. I fertilize them right now, just but half straight. The, yeah, and the rage is more. It, it's a good, well-balanced thing that just keeps the soil nice and healthy, so it can be used almost on a year-round yes. type thing, So, which is great. Well, it's a compost tea almost. Absolutely. <laughs> and here's a text from, I'm a Hort member, and Kath is a bank of knowledge. <laughs> December gardening, December Calgary Gardening Magazine, needle cast on evergreens and treatments, and di- diagnostics, please, is what she's... Oh, and, is that- and, and I think that's her question. She's looking for a needle cast. And, and I think that's probably one of the most misdiagnosed um, problems. There was an arborist, or I wouldn't even call him an arborist. It was a, a prune, a tree hacking company that was going around. He had pictures of houses on fire saying that people's houses were going to burn down because all these spruce trees were going to dry up and the city was going to burn down. Like it was just fear-mongering like it was unbelievable that's unbelievable yeah i had so many people callers sending me in pictures of his cards and his brochures but and 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 there is needle cast in calorie but it's definitely not as relevant as as one would think right at this time so do you know much about like sort of what they should be looking for kath well i mean that rust color and the needle cast but i mean that happening is nine times out of ten because we've had such three, really four almost, dry, dry years. And it, it really is. But when if you're looking for true needle cast, you have to get up close to the tree and look for the fact that the younger needles have a long green, you know, they'll have green, then they'll have that brown strip in it, and then they'll be green. And if you go back into the tree itself, and run your hands along where the branches have started to rust out or show any kind of casting, what you will find is with needle cast as opposed to drought damage, with needle cast, if you run your hand along them, the needles stay put. But if it's just dry and it's too dry, it's just running your hand through them. And, I mean, having your tree cleaned out by a good arborist, once in a while never goes amiss, especially with the bigger spruces. And they're a huge, valuable part of our landscapes now. Really yeah, when part. I see Mark and his crew go up through a tree and they do uh, an evergreen cleaning, a spruce cleaning, yes. it, it looks so good. And it's almost like the tree looks down at you and says, thank you. Like it just, yeah, it, it just, yeah. Yeah, tidies it right up. I was I didn't realize it as much, and and that's the nice thing. Like when I get guys like Mark joining our team and things like that, it, it sure helps because um, we have quite a little crew of of some certified arborists, which is great. 
and they bring a lot to the table and and this those proper tree health practices that you you do when you when you have a good when you have a strong system. tree and you have a good arborist that comes in and looks at it and goes, there's nothing really wrong with the tree that a good cleanup wouldn't hurt. Absolutely. And yeah. that that's really important. It's it And remembering that even though in the fall the trees are starting to show, slow down and that we're getting dry, we're getting <clears throat> cooler, we still should be providing them with moisture to go to bed with. Absolutely. So, hey, Kathy, I'm going to take another break here. Um, we'll come back. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and I'm here with Cass Smythe. Um, just a quick note. I actually just had a, uh, someone text in. They uh, dropped off uh, some gloves for the Mitten Project. I know the, oh, the yes. chorus group and uh, down there at 770. Um, they're having the mitten project, which people are going to need. It's going to get cold after during Christmas here. Um, so if you have any extra gloves in that, then she just dropped them off. So thank you so much, Gail. I appreciate that. And I'm going to go to the phone line, and we're going to chat with Ruth. Good morning, Ruth. Oh, good morning. Hi there. How can we help you? Well, I bought a little Zyko's cactus when I was in one of the grocery stores. I haven't bought one in a few years. Yeah. I brought it home, and I know they're not supposed to be in direct sunlight, but I'm faced the south. I'm in an apartment. So I put it about six feet back from the window. It would still get a little bit of sun, but it's not a lot of actual lumens this time of year. And I'd say within a week, it had about six buds on it, buds plus full blooms. And slowly, starting with the full blooms, they all fell off. <laughs> and I made sure that it, I watered it. I didn't overwater it. I mean, I've been a gardener for 35, 40 years, so I don't make too many mistakes, I hope. <laughs> but apparently I did. <laughs> so, Good any ideas, ideas? Well, my first question is, did you water it when you first got it home? Well, it came in one of those foil wrappers, so I tested it. I stuck my finger down in, and it was pretty dry, so I did put water in, let it sit in water for a bit, and maybe 15 minutes, and then emptied the wa- excess water out. And yeah, I was it. just going to say, I never let any of those. Th- I never <laughs> let anything sit in water unless it's really been dry a long time and needs right. to suck it up from the bottom. Right. So, no, I didn't let it get wet, wet, wet. Well, the only other the only other thing that I have been seeing this year in the last few couple of weeks is that the the cactus the holiday cacti are coming in and they are really really dry. And uh-huh. then, yeah, and and then the garden centers get them and they're watering the heck out of them, but the uh, grocery stores aren't. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so it did get very dry. I mean, the leaves were not puckered or anything like that, indicating that they had lost a lot of moisture. Yeah, so it wasn't I think all what Kath is Yeah, I think what Kath's saying is sometimes when they get them in, they might sit there and get a little dry, and then those effe- yeah, and those effects affect it. It might take a day or two before you see it, but it's hard yeah. to repair that damage. So if you're yeah. if you are getting them out of the garden center, and that they tend to get a little bit better care. Yeah. And because uh, I know ours are still have tons of blooms on them, and they've been in the store for a few weeks already. Yeah. And have you? And make yeah. Just make sure consistent watering, not too wet, and obviously not too dry. Yeah. Um, even the little tiny buds that were on the ends that were starting to form, off. they all came off too. Did I mean, it get it a chill? Was it not wrapped properly? 
Uh, no, actually, I got this before the cold spell hit. Oh, well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it was the, still like about 8 or 10 degrees. Then. Oh, okay. The only other thing I would do is take it out of the foil and take it out, lift it out of the pot and see how good the root system is on it because uh, that was going to be my next comment was I've been seeing a lot of very fresh cutted, cutting um, type holiday cactus that have been potted on way too fast too soon. Oh, okay. So that could be the reason that they're shedding their light leaves and and then flowers like that, or their flowers particularly. Is yeah, because just the flowers, not the leaves. None yeah. of those will come off. So what's happening is they've started into their flowering phase, but the change and the move to different environment causes them to shed the flowers so that they can support new root growth. I see. And I'm wondering if that's maybe what's going on is that the roots aren't as well developed as they usually are. Yeah, the only thing I could think of was the the change factor. But the fact it went from like sitting in an ultraviolet light in a big store to yes, and that that is and a a drier atmosphere because I'm don't have a humidifier or anything like that. Yeah, but you know, zygos and Schlumberga don't want. They don't. They're not worried about humidity as much as they are about the change in the light factor. Right. And they like a consistent light source. Yeah. So that could be part of it. But I'd check that root system and just uh, see. What should I look for? Well, what you want to see is some nice fresh white root system, and it should be dropping and and trying to fill the bottom of the pot first. They they are um, an epiphyte, which means they live off of the air anyway, but they put down long roots in soil to try and find something to grab onto. So that's what it's doing at that moment. So I would be looking for a nice, firm, white root. I can tell you right now, actually. <laughs> I just went to, out to where it is. Okay. Uh, it's definitely root-bound. Oh, it is. It's really root-bound. Okay, yeah, that's... the roots are all on the outside. Well, I can see them on the outside. They're fine roots. They're not white, per se. They're sort of a Okay, but they're color. there. So really and truly what it did was react to the day length. It okay. changed from, you know, having being in the store where the stores open 12 14 to 14 a hours a day. They turn on those incandescent lights and they get all that extra light on them. So it's reacting to the light change. I don't think it's fatal. I think it'll be <laughs> fine next year. <laughs> but it's not likely not to uh, bloom again this year, huh? No, not this year. But you know what? As our day length changes, like next week is my favorite. Well, Tuesday is it or Wednesday? Wednesday is the shortest day of the year. The shortest Equalized. day of the year. But right. it's my favorite day because all of a sudden the days start to get longer again. Right. So in January, late January, we'll start seeing our eight-hour eight days, right. and then we'll start to see 10. And that's when you might just see it reflower Sorry, and set reflower blossom. Again. Yeah, well, I'm not going to toss it. I haven't had one for years, but when I did have them, I did keep them for a lot of years. Maybe yeah. a few oh, times yeah. during they the can, year. They've been known to live 40 years, 50 years. Well, I haven't got that much time left, so... Oh. <laughs> After that, I don't much care. <laughs> okay, then. All righty. <laughs> Thank you for your help. All, All right, right. You're both you. Bye-bye. 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 All right, we got to take a quick break, and uh, when we return, we'll do the last uh, few minutes of the show. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I do have Cass Smythe with me. We're going to go through and just read a few texts. I got a good one. You know how you had the My Pillow commercials? I had a guy that sent in a, a commercial for me that I should do. I'm Earl Coombs, the inventor of My Willow. 
when I was a little boy, I stuck it in the mud and started growing leaves. I patented it, and you'll buy one, my willow. That's uh, uh, pretty funny. I like it. It's, uh, <laughs> you'll have to take up poetry, Merle. Yeah, this is uh, obviously the, the my pillow guy. It could be the my willow guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I do have a quick question. It says, "Hi, Kath. I'm not sure if this is value. If there, is there any value in using activated charcoal in raised beds? And 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 do you use it? Where is it? Where's the rest of the question? And how do you use charcoal, Pauline? I use activated charcoal all the time in my house plants, mostly because I find that in the small, compact environment of my house plants, I really like the horticultural or active activated charcoal in them, and I've used it forever. Um, the activated charcoal in raised beds, it's really important that you get a large enough piece of the activated charcoal, so you want that bag of biochar to work into the soil to get it to activate the soil, but it is really important. Do it every year, and you will find that it really helps with the composting factor within your garden, and it'll help with the rotation of crops because it'll help with the root development. It oxygenates the soil really well, and it also helps and aids the breaking down to organic material, which is really yeah, valuable. I, I, and I know we have some of it mixed into some of our soil when we transplant, yeah. which is good. Got another quick question. Ask Kath what her thoughts are on using colloidal silver for plants. Ooh. <laughs> Do you I know funny. that one? Yeah, I've heard about it, and I've been reading up a little bit about it. I'm not so sure. I, I haven't quite made up my mind. If you were to ask me when I finish reading this, this book that I'm reading right now, I probably will have a little more of an opinion, but I, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know anything it's about it. It's one of the new it, miracle things. They, they are using it in cereals and all sorts of things. So, Yeah, I, there's I, a million things you could try. Yeah. Um, and, like there's that guy, the other guy who runs a gardening show in, in Seattle. He uses yes. Coca-Cola on everything. Yeah, Cisco, <laughs> I think. And that's, it's his, it's a save all. He uses Coca-Cola, uh, kill plants or kill bugs, kills everything. Well, it could here's wood. <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, do I keep fertilizing my tropical plants in the winter? If I give earthworm castings, should I still fertilize? If you're using earthworm castings, you don't need to still put fertilizer in. I tend to wait for the day lengths to be longer. I The only ones that I fertilize still at this point in the year are my African violets, and right now I'm working very excitedly with my lemon tree to produce lemons. So I've got them finally pollinated, and they're doing well, so I'm fertilizing. But those yeah. are... Just all I have is all I have is blooms on my lemon right now. No leaves. I I kind of put it into shock. It got dried out yes. a bit too much, and then I, it dropped all its leaves. But now I got tons of blooms on it, but no leaves. So I'm hoping that it'll shoot out some leaves here. I got it in the bright light, so I'm hoping that. And I got my paintbrush stuck in the soil, so, so when I, I see that, every once in a while to entertain myself, I go out there and I take my little paintbrush and yeah. Go around and I make sure that I'm using the the small paintbrush with the natural bristles. I've discovered that the synthetic bristles aren't good pollinators. 
Okay. And I just, yeah, we'll use it. I just do that. Uh, yeah, I just, I leave the paintbrush stuck in the soil and I just go by every few days. And when I see a new one open up, I rub it in there and sort of spin That's it around right. inside. The softer the paintbrush, the better it pollinates. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, th thank you so much, Kath, for your You're time most today. And, uh, all the all the members. Um, if you don't have a membership, renew it or get a new one or give one That's for right. a gift. It's a great group of uh, people to be involved with. So again, thanks, Kath, and Merry Christmas to you and uh, and everybody uh, down at the Hort Society. Merry Christmas to you, and we'll thanks. talk soon. I'm sure. <laughs> Sounds good, Kath. Take care. Have a good one. Bye bye. bye. Stay safe. Bye bye. All right, and Merry Christmas to everybody, all the listeners. Um, stay safe out there. It's going to be cold over the next couple of weeks, so uh, stay warm, and uh, I'll be back here on Boxing Day. Till then, we'll get our garden on right here on 770 CHQR.